As you can see, I have my uh, thumb wrapped up, and uh, I had a uh, battle yesterday with the truck door. And uh, I don't know how I did it, but somehow shut my thumb in the truck door and uh, couldn't get my thumb out till I opened the truck door. It was uh, not any fun. My wife is a nurse, and uh, pretty much you don't get any sympathy from your wife who's a nurse unless you're like bleeding out of the ears or something like that. And uh, I actually got some sympathy for this. And so that made me feel good about myself. I am a typical male. I'm a big baby. And uh, I have the pain threshold of the average toddler. And uh, sickness debilitates me. All that typical stuff. Uh, how many of you ladies, your husband is like that? It's kind of a baby when he's sick. Evie, really? Afraid to be honest. <laughs> oh, awesome. Good to have you here today. Go ahead and get in your Bible to John 13. John 13. And Did uh, anybody bring in your surveys? I didn't get a chance to compile them. Anybody have those? Anybody? No? Good. Uh, Anybody not get the book that we gave to everyone in the class? Okay, good. We're in good shape then. So uh, for those of you who've had this class before, you know this, but for those of you who are new, we always start with uh, questions that were turned in. Uh, you should have a little square. You can write something down through class or at the end of class and, and turn that in. Then uh, people turned in some questions with those, those surveys. But um, we will just deal with those as they come up. A lot of the questions you ask aren't related to our current subject, to, but rather to one that's coming up. Question one, how do you turn it around if you haven't started this battle for obedience from the beginning? Remember, last week we talked about the most important thing to teach your children, and, that, and that's obedience. If your children cannot obey and understand, they will not be able to succeed in the spiritual realm. They will not succeed in school. They will not succeed in society. They will not succeed in the home. They will not succeed anywhere, uh, anywhere, if they cannot uh, follow rightful uh, authority. That is the first uh, thing we teach them. And so the question was, how do you turn it around if you haven't started this battle for obedience from the beginning? Uh, all of us have to start where we are. Uh, none of us get to start where we wish we were. We all have to start where we are for ourselves and for our kids. Uh, by the grace of God, uh, wise behavior, prayers, and strong resolve, no matter where you are, you can do this. If your children are old enough to understand, sit them down and apologize. Explain to them uh, what you uh, needed to do and didn't do, and then start on some big things. Don't uh, start on every little thing. Just start on some big things. If your children are uh, too young to, uh, you know, understand an explanation like that, then just begin to modify your behavior. And again, uh, modify it on, on a few big things. Don't just all of a sudden uh, make this drastic change, but start on some bigger things and work your way to uh, everything. And, you know, if you have some questions, 
uh, seek some personal counsel on the specifics of your situation. Question two, if our children die young, is it my fault or the fault of my spouse or our parents? And the root of that question uh, really had to do with uh, the commandment that teaches honor thy father and mother that thy days may be long upon the earth. And we spend a couple of minutes talking about uh, how you can shorten your lifespan uh, by disobeying God or not taking care of yourself and all different kinds of things. Uh, and so that's the root of the question. Uh, basically this, God is not a petty being <laughs> to snuff out people's lives for you know, petty or frivolous uh, or flippant, uh, you know, uh, offenses. Uh, God is gracious. God is good. He's a loving creator. Uh, and quite frankly, he doesn't have a plan for everyone to live a long life. Uh, sometimes God's plan for a human life might be two months here in a mother's womb and all the rest of their days in heaven. Uh, sometimes God's plan might be 18 or 20 years here. Uh, God, in his love and goodness, has a plan for every life. And it's just simply that our disobedience to God will shorten the amount of time we could uh, live. And so what I would just say to you is just remember that God is not flippant. Uh, he, he's not hasty on the trigger. And, and so teach your children to obey God and, and to obey you as the parents and to obey rightful authorities and, and just trust God with how that turns out. I think uh, you're always going to hurt yourself uh, taking blame uh, for something you can't control. I had a lady once, her son uh, died in a motorcycle accident. He might have been 20, uh, maybe 21. He was very young. And with tears, she said to me, is this my fault because I loved my son more than I loved God? And what I said to her is that um, that's not right to love your son more than you love God, but, I mean, understand that God is not a petty being, and because you failed in that, you know, <laughs> he's not going to use a hammer on your son. And, um, again, no one can answer that question with 100% certainty. I just know this, is that someday when we uh, hear all of the reasons and know all that God knows, when he makes those decisions and makes those plans, we'll agree that what he did was, was best. I get that it's easier to, to, to uh, say what I just said than it is to do it when you live through it, but, but you know, that's the fact. It's God is always good. He's always loving. Question three, what do you tell your children about the lack of respect for authority in today's culture? Uh, the same thing you tell them about other things that are messed up in our culture. Uh, faithful followers of Jesus are not supposed to be like our world. If someone claims to be a follower of Jesus and they're like our world, they're either not really saved or they're living a disobedient life to Christ. Uh, that is a foundational principle through all of the Old Testament and New Testament. God's people are not supposed to be like this world. You can apply that in lots of different areas. By the way, the contemporary church movement muddies that basic Bible principle because their foundational principle is be like the world as much as possible but still follow Christ. And that is not the biblical principle. And so, yeah, you in every area of, of, of life, 
By the way, it's going to happen in a church. If you think that every other family that attends church or every other kid whose parents attend here are always going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing, you have your head in the sand. And so you're going to be teaching your children this over and over and over and over again from the time they are conscious of what's going on around them to the day they leave your house. Uh, every decision. Uh, are you going to be a follower of Jesus in this or, or not? Question number four. Are there any adversities that we should protect our children from? Um, this question came out of the roots of me saying last week that uh, parents and especially moms tend to overprotect their children and try to keep them from every difficulty and every adversity and, and every trial and they remove them from all of these things and what I said was that if you do that as a mom or as a parent in the end your child is going to be in an adult age but they're going to be emotionally and spiritually immature the only way we ever learn to deal with adversity, you know, you, you read about these snowflakes at some of these colleges where they've got cry rooms because they saw an American flag or a Trump sticker. You, you know, good golly, that's some parent's fault for raising such a weenie. And, and, and in the end, uh, if you want your children to be emotionally and spiritually mature, they have to face adversity. And that's why you're there, not to keep them from all of it, but to guide them through it. But on the other hand, don't take that to the extreme of saying, well, I don't need to protect my children from anything. That, no, you are there to protect them. There is some sweet spot there in the middle of uh, they're exposed to this but not involved in it and they're separate from this. There, there is some sweet spot in the middle and if you get too far to either side, you're not helping your children like you could as a parent. By the way, for those who come in here later wondering this, I shut my thumb in the trunk, in my truck door. Uh, it hurt bad. Uh, I got sympathy from my wife. I had to open the truck door to get it out. I know I didn't go to the doctor. Um, Anybody here besides us have like a $6,000 insurance deductible policy? You know, which is fine. You, you know, it keeps you from catastrophic bills. But on the other hand, I mean, I don't want to go to the doctor. They're going to x-ray the thing. They're going to say, oh, wow, and then, then get two specialists involved, call me back twice, uh, and, and charge me $1,500. Uh, first, I'm going to see, okay, does it fall off? Question number five. Yeah, Robin. It, do I? Yes. Yes. I, I, yes. I confessed early on into the class. I am a typical male. I don't do well when I'm sick. I want sympathy. I want to be babied. I want my mommy. <laughs> I, I will not pretend to be tougher than I am. Uh, question number five. When and how should you begin to teach your children the Bible? Uh, begin teaching them very young. Uh, like things, uh, like kids' songs are, are great things to, to use. We use them in children's church. If you uh, don't know anything about that, if you're like me, didn't grow up in children's church, you know, uh, just Google children's church songs. And, you know, uh, uh, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man was he, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, deep and wide. 
And uh, if you're happy and you know it, I mean, I mean men te teach them that stuff when they're really, really little. Uh, I hope you're a parent that reads to your kids. If you're not, your kids are going to grow up to be dumb. And uh, you, you want to have them learn how to sit. We'll talk about this more as we, we, we get on. Uh, for those of you who are offended to that dumb, uh, poorly educated, educated below their ability to learn and comprehend. Okay? For, for, again, for those of you who are really, really sensitive. And, 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 and so don't just have books that, what does the horsey say? And, and, and I mean, and all that's, yay! I mean, all that's, one, that, all that's wonderful, and they will probably be more interested in that. But, you know, get, get a Bible story book, something with some pictures, are all right, and, and, and do that too. Now, they might not sit there quite as long, you know, f for that. But you know what? At whatever degree they're able to absorb stuff, you know, teach them. You know, by the time your children are five, if you, if you have uh, been faithful to the Lord's house in a church like this one that is a passion for teaching children, and if you, as a godly parent, are teaching your children, by the time your kid's five, I mean, they should know all the basic Bible stories. They should know all about how to be saved. You know, they should know all those kinds of things. And uh, by the way, it becomes a moral foundation for the rest of their life. And um, I highly recommend it. <laughs> uh, remember, it takes more than love and good intentions to uh, train our children well and properly in the day and age in which we live. But like I said uh, two weeks ago, God did not pick you and your children for this day and age because you were destined to fail. Uh, God equipped you and I and our children in this day and age today. Uh, to faithfully live and follow Christ if they would choose to do so. Uh, a couple of interesting but not always serious quotes. Here's the first one. I've learned that if you give a pig and a boy everything they want, you'll get a good pig and a bad boy. Uh, here's another uh, quote. Uh, everybody knows how to raise children, it seems, except the people who have them. And uh, as you and your children uh, season in life, you will really recognize how true that uh, sarcastic quote is. A couple of thoughts to ponder about parenting. Here's the first one. There needs to be at least one person, one person acting like an adult in all situations. Uh, that should be you as the parent. I cannot tell you when I was a youth leader how many times I was involved in some conflict in the home and everybody was acting like a child. There needs to always be one adult. <laughs> that should be you. Here's a second uh, thought about parenting. Mom and dad should provide a united front in public to their children. Here's a third thought. Make your goal to produce a functional, independent adult and then gradually release the reins of their life so that can happen. By, by that, I mean when your children are young, you should pretty much be controlling everything or almost everything. And as they get older, you should be giving more and more reins of their life to them so that by the time they're a functional adult, you're not controlling them at all. They're controlling themselves. Uh, today we're just on week three. Again, I don't pretend to have all the answers. Uh, I have just seen a lot. I've been through a lot. Uh, I really want to help you. And uh, certainly there's probably nothing about which we are more passionate 
than parenting the children uh, God has entrusted to our care, and that is a good thing. Remember the foundational question? Does God really know more about what will produce a better life for my child than I do? That seems like a silly question, but that's the foundational question on whether you're going to do your will and your plan as a parent or you're going to seek for God's will and God's plan and principles he established, trusting that he actually knows what will produce a better life for your child than you do. Last week, we talked about the most important thing we teach our children, obedience to rightful authority. Uh, remember that obedience starts with God himself. He's a creator and the ultimate authority. Then God delegated some of his authority to the written word because we cannot visibly see him nor audibly hear him. So he gave us something that was infallible and inerrant so that we could know exactly what God wants. And then in his word, he delegated some of his authority to certain people, certain individuals and situations. And for this class, I mean, for you as a parent, you are the authority over your children because God delegated that authority to you. You have the authority from God to parent your children. And obviously, he didn't give you that authority to do what you want to do or to do anything contrary to what he said to do. God gave you that authority to do what he would do if he was walking in your shoes. And as I said earlier, and I remind you again, if you and I fail to teach our children to obey rightful authority, they will fail in every area of our, their life. They will not be able to succeed in school. They will not succeed in their home. They will never fulfill their roles in marriage. They will never do anything in society. They will, in every area of life, if they cannot follow rightful authority, they'll fail. Which gets us actually to our subject today. How do, my how do I teach my children to obey rightful authority? Remember, what to teach is not controversial at all. If it's controversial to, to you to, to teach them to obey rightful authority, you got some basic issues with God. All right? There, there's zero controversy for anyone who believes this book at all about the importance of obedience to rightful authority. But how to teach that is not as clearly revealed to us as what to teach. But God did give us some biblical principles to apply in this. Remember, most of the Bible, when it comes to practical living, is not given to us in specifics. It's given to us in principles, and God did that on purpose because this is an eternal book. It was not intended to just apply 4,000 years ago or 2,000 years ago or in a rural culture in the Middle East. It's intended to apply to all ages and all people and all cultures. And we take these principles and apply them. And that's why the Bible is a timeless book. The title of our thought uh, today is just how to teach your children to obey. Uh, John chapter 13 uh, should be there already. Some of you come in a smidge after I said that, so we'll give you just a second. John chapter 13. By the way, I'm glad God gave us a long time to teach our children uh, because a lot of these lessons are not easily learned and they don't have instinct uh, to do these things. Your children are not going to instinctually obey you. Uh, in fact, they will, rather, because of their fallen nature, they will instinctually 
disobey you. You won't have to teach your children to lie. You won't have to teach them to take things that someone else has. You won't have to teach them to disobey rightful authority. You won't have to teach them any of those things. Those come natural. How do I teach them? Notice what Jesus said in John 13, verse 15. He said, for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Here's number one. Teach them by setting an example of obedience to and respect for rightful authority in your life. Uh, it's no surprise that uh, Jesus lived his life in part to be an example to us. There's a lot of things he could have done other ways. Uh, remember, if you go to think about what Jesus of Nazareth said and did, there's going to be two streams flowing through the New Testament. Uh, because Jesus was the Son of God. He was God manifest in the flesh. There's one stream, and you'll find things that he did and said that only God had uh, the right to say or the right to do. And then there's a second stream in there because he's also the Son of Man. He's also fully human. In that stream, you're going to see Jesus doing uh, what a perfect follower, believer in God as a human being should be doing. And he set the example in what we should and could do. Um, the philosophy, uh, do as I say and not as I do, is especially grievous in the area of parenting. It is never good. But our children are going to far more quickly follow our example than they are to listen to our instruction. Uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, our children are more uh, open and learning from our ongoing example than on those occasional times when we verbally instruct them. Now, we should have some times when we do that, but mostly they learn by watching us. Uh, the way we respond to rightful authorities in our life is the most effective instruction on how our children should respond to theirs. Why should they respect you? if you constantly disrespect your own parents? Why should they respect their pastor if you don't? Why should they respect the police if you don't? Why should they respect their father if their mother doesn't? Why should they respect their mother if their father doesn't? Mean, understand, it, it is a huge deal. They are watching you and absorbing exactly. They are learning by example. You are defining for them what it means to be a Christian mom or a Christian dad. And what you say, it's going to be crushed by what you do. They follow you. Because God established you as the authority over them, not government or culture. The way we talk about our pastor, the ministry leaders, other parents, our spouse matters. It's part of our example. The way we talk to and about the school teachers, principals, police, coaches, referees, it all matters. It's part of our example. Listen, you're not going to parent for very long and you're not going to and have times when you disagree with what somebody does. Those are actually the times when you instruct them the most. The way we listen to rightful authorities in our life, it's part of our example. The way we obey them is part of our example. 
um, in 2014, there was an interesting news story. Uh, there was a mom whose daughter had been sent home from school because the dress she wore uh, violated the school dress code. And the mom, and this was a news story, then turned around and wore the dress that the school had kicked the daughter out for to the daughter's graduation. Um, here's what the mother said. I didn't see anything wrong with the dress. That's why I let her wear it to school. There's a mom that doesn't understand rightful authority. All right? The Bible does teach modesty. Not likely that this mom cared about that. But, but the Bible doesn't define exactly what that means. And so when you... Uh, send your child to a school. If a school defines it a certain way, when they're at school, then that's the definition. If you want to do more, fine, but you have no reason ever to do less. By the way, that's a pretty proud and immature mom who would wear a teenage girl's dress to a public event anyway. Our example is strongest and clearest when we disagree with some rightful authority. And God will allow you many opportunities to do that. I remember when um, our oldest son, uh, at that time they were in a private school. They went to Central Baptist Schools. And they had a new teacher that year. And that teacher would always punish the whole class for uh, things that individuals uh, did. And I remember sending a note with Wall to school uh, about that. And Wall, he never knew that his mother and I didn't think that was a good way to handle it. Uh, we just sent a note privately uh, addressed to her, and it just said, you know, is it, and I quoted a couple Bible verses, is it just to punish everyone for the offenses of the few? And she changed her behavior. He had no idea that we disagreed with the teacher. Listen, you have a responsibility as a parent to both defend what is right and to respect rightful authority. And we teach our children through our example. Here's number two. Make disobedience to rightful authority something you use discipline to enforce. Now down the road we'll spend three weeks on discipline because it's something uh, that, that uh, is controversial in, in, in our society but very, very important as a parent. Uh, but rebellion against rightful authority, it ought to always bring some sure and clear consequence. Here's number three. Go in your Bible to Acts 24. Just laying down some Bible principles for teaching our children how to obey and respect rightful authority. See, we don't like to teach it because we hate rightful authority when it's not our own. And yet it's one of the most essential elements for society. And the Lord's work. And a good home. And, and on and on and on the list goes. But have you ever thought about the kind of anarchy there would be in our world if children didn't have to obey parents? If nobody respected the police? Oh, I'm sorry, that's going on. It's not helping anything, right? Well, we, we better get a handle on this. Uh, here's number three. Teach them that the ultimate authority is always God. <laughs> the, word of, the word of God. Notice Paul is on trial here before Roman governor Felix. Notice what he says to him next, 24 verse 14. He says, but this I confess unto thee, 
that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves are also a law, that there shall allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. According to verse 14, what did the Jewish religious leaders call Paul's belief system? They called it heresy. Uh, but did Paul follow their religious leadership? He did not because he was following the word of God. They called him a heretic. But he understood rightful authority. Uh, the word of God is always the ultimate authority. Not the fact that the religious leaders of Judaism had those positions. They had no right to use rightful authority to disobey and contradict the word of God. See it again. Go back a page or so to Acts 23. And in Acts 23, Paul is standing before the Jewish leaders. It's kind of an interesting story. In verse 1, it says, And Paul, earnestly beholding the council, he said, Men and brethren, I've lived in all good conscience before God until this day. But what an incredible uh, testimony. Verse 2, High priest Ananias commanded them that stood by him to smite him in the mouth. Then Paul turned the other cheek. Oh, I'm sorry. Then said Paul unto him, God shall smite thee, thou whited wall. <laughs> For sittest thou to judge me after the law and commandest me to be smitten contrary to the law? And they that stood by said, Revilest thou God's high priest? This is one of the reasons people believe Paul's sight was not good. He didn't even know who he said that to. In verse 5, then said Paul, Oh, I wish not. I didn't know, brethren, that he was a high priest. For it is written, Thou shalt not speak evil of the ruler of thy people. See, Paul was saying, hey, listen, this guy, you're in the rightful authority, but you got no right to smack me like that. Oh, he was the high priest. Uh, I shouldn't speak about him like that. In it, all, it boils down to a, a simple thing. God's word is always the ultimate authority. No human authority has the right to override or contradict the source that gave them their authority. Pastors, parents, husbands, government officials, bosses, they only have authority in their area because God gave it to them. I mean, understanding this basic principle, it's why our forefathers united to overthrow the government of Britain. <laughs> they believe the British government controlled too much of their life without giving them any say in what happened. That's contrary to the fact that government is supposed to allow us to live a peaceful quiet and peaceable life and all godliness and honesty and them having no representation. They felt it was contrary to that. They believed that the liberty they had was given to them by God, not the king. And so because they believed that that government was completely contrary to what God had told them, they stood up against it. Christians. See, Brother Wally, how do I teach my children? God is the ultimate authority as manifest in his written word. How about this? How do you treat that book? Do they watch you put it on the, pile, uh, the bottom of another pile of books? Do they watch you set it down when you get home from church and not pick it up the rest of the week? That's how you teach them to respect what's in it. Let your children see you privately reading, reading it. Let them hear you privately teaching them. That's how you're showing them it matters to you. Let your children see you uh, turning your pages and following along when someone preaches and teaches it. 
Listen, I, I, you would be very discouraged to preach and teach if you ever watched how people uh, listen. <laughs> that there are some people I've trained myself, don't look at them, you're just going to be discouraged. They've either got a disinterested look in their face, an angry look in their face, or they're clearly not paying any attention. And then there's other people, and you can tell by the way they listen, they're listening. There's people always, when I say something that I know might be a little froggy to some people, I know to look at them. Listen, uh, we're teaching our children by the way we listen and, and follow along to what's being said. We're showing them the value of, of, of what's going on. By the way, all that just comes out of our hearts. Let your children see you modify your behavior because of something God's word says. Let your children see you go to the altar and pray from time to time as God speaks to your heart. Let your children see you sacrifice to obey God and do what he's taught you to do. This is how we teach them obedience to the word of God by our example. By the way, tell those who follow you in some way that if you ever are contrary to the word of God, to follow the word of God. There's a reason, if you've gone here any length of time, you've heard me say that many, many times. Don't you dare follow me if I'm not following God's word. I have no authority to be contrary to God's word. My authority is in this circle on this piece of property, and it is only to be agreement with this word or to have authority in this area where the Bible is silent. Don't think that you're ever going to live for very long and not get to the place where you disagree with what God said. Listen, there's not a wife here who can't say, you know what, I sometimes really don't like or, uh, wives submit yourselves to your husbands. And there's not a husband here. I know, sweetheart, you think you're always lovable. But there's not a husband here who wouldn't say, you know what, I, I don't want to unconditionally love her when she's like that. We, we don't do stuff because we feel like it. We do stuff because God said. Here's number four. Teach them what to do when two legitimate authorities disagree. Go back to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. Pretty famous section of scriptures here. In Acts 5, verse 27, it says, And when they, uh, that's the Jewish leaders, had brought them, that's the disciples, uh, they set them before the council, that's all the religious leaders and the high priests, and they asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and tend to bring this man's blood upon us. Do you see their accusation? We had you here before, and we told you to shut up about this Jesus guy. And yet you filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, even though we told you not to. And people are going to blame, are blaming us for his death. Notice what Peter said in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered, and they said, We ought to obey God rather than men. And by the way, I've got that little phrase highlighted and underlined in my Bible. There Government officials said, shut up about Jesus. Jesus had told them, speak up about me. 
And Peter's conclusion is, listen, um, I ought to obey God rather than you. Never forget God is the highest authority in every situation. This will help us a lot of times in life. Pastors, parents, husbands, none of them have authority above the scriptures. Which means we need to know what the word of God says and recognize when leaders are using their authority rightly or wrongly. By the way, a soccer coach is not misusing authority when they only play your kid uh, one quarter instead of four. And they play back on defense on the side instead of in the front in the middle. That's the coach's kid's spot. But that's not defiant of God. Follow delegated authority until it contradicts the word of God, and then you follow the word of God. Um, which means we need to begin to recognize what is in the word of God and what are cultural and family traditions. By the way, not all tra traditions are bad. In my house, it was a tradition uh, that you did not, you were not allowed to sleep in past 8.30 on a weekday and 9 o'clock on a weekend. The Bible says be diligent. It doesn't say what that is. That was our family. Our family tradition was on Sunday mornings, you were not allowed to turn the television on uh, before church. It's the Lord's Day. In our house, if there was any controversy, uh, the first thing that did, we had three boys, it was odd man. Whether somebody wanted to, everybody wanted to do something or nobody wanted to do something, everybody immediately breaks out their fist, starts with odd man. And odd man, you get rid of one person or that guy's a loser, you're stuck helping dad in the yard. Okay, if it's something everybody wants to do, now you've got rid of one, you've got two left, everybody immediately goes to paper, rock, and scissors. By the way, the Bible teaches live peaceably as much as possible. It kept, it kept peace. Uh, to this day, uh, we had some furniture that everybody wanted. Hey, let's pay paper rocks. It is a very easy way to settle stuff. It's not in the Bible. It's just a family tradition. There's nothing wrong with it. Same with cultural things. And as parents, establish yourself strongly, number five, and lastly, as the rightful authority in your home when your children are young. Don't wait till you're old, they're older to start this. People always ask me, when is the a time, the appropriate time to start discipline? This is the answer, when it is your will against theirs. By the way, that doesn't mean you spank them always when it's your will against theirs. But whenever it's your will against theirs, always win that battle. If you write down one thing about today, I, I would write that down. When it is your will against their will, always win that battle. Uh, the other day, our, our, one of our grandkids were over. They wanted to get into something that was not good for them. And uh, I just got between them and that thing. They tried to go through between my legs. I just closed my legs. They tried to go around, I just moved over. They tried to go around the other way, I, I moved that way. No anger, just became very apparent. It was my will against theirs. I'm not going to lose that battle. And eventually, after a few minutes, uh, they gave up, went and did something else. By the way, I'm glad they didn't give up right away because I don't want a bunch of weenie grandkids. But listen, when it is my will against them, you must always win that battle. Now listen, you're going to end up as a young 
parent, you're going to end up in some battles where you think to yourself, and this is done, that was stupid. I should have never got in the middle of that. And you need to have enough sense, and some of that is learned behavior, to say, you know what, uh, next time I I'm not getting in that because it costs me too much to win that battle of wills. But by the time your child is just a young child, they ought to have this idea that if it is my will against my parents' will, I might as well <laughs> just beg it. By the way, when your child is very young and a toddler, the, the most important things you teach them are, are, number one, you're in charge, and number two, you love them. I don't know, is that two? Yeah, that was three. Uh, listen, you know the reason the terrible twos are so terrible? It's because a lot of parents have let their kids do everything that kid wanted to do, and then at two, they try to get control of them. I, I get it. A, a two-year-old's still a two-year-old. But, but understand, you have made it much, much worse if you didn't just basically establish yourself as the authority. And I, I, I've got to stop, and uh, I've got lots more notes, but... Eh. That's all right. Uh, fill out uh, that little questionnaire. Turn something in. God bless you. You're dismissed.